I'm Jack Semlicka, and welcome to this episode of our 2017 Strip Till Farmer Podcast Series. Today's program, a dollars and cents approach to analyzing strip till value, is being brought to you by Dawn Equipment. If this is your first time joining us, I'd encourage you to subscribe to this podcast series, currently available in iTunes, the Google Play Store, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, and TuneIn Radio. Or if there's another app you prefer for listening to podcasts, let us know. We'll make every effort to get it added here as well. And by subscribing, that will allow you to get an alert when upcoming episodes in this series are released, and also the chance to go back and review earlier episodes in this series. Thanks to Dawn Equipment again for sponsoring today's episode. The new Dawn Pluribus Strip-Till Unit is the industry's first strip-till row unit with active row-by-row hydraulic down pressure, which allows you to make the perfect strip even if life puts you in a tire track. The new Dawn Pluribus makes a deeper, wider strip and offers hydraulic in-cab row cleaner adjustment, all with the same high speed and low power performance you've come to expect. You can call Dawn today to set up a demo of the new Pluribus unit at 800-554-0007. Again, that number is 800-554-0007. Well, while, while many farmers collect field data, it's knowing what to do with it that will help them improve the productivity and efficiency of their strip till operation. This is something that Trent Sanderson, strip tiller from Clare, Illinois, has made a priority to improve management of his family's 2,000 acre corn, soybean, and wheat operation. He has taken the lead on crunching and analyzing the numbers to assess return on investment and shape annual input expenditures. Before he even gets into the field, he calibrates all of his equipment, including the yield monitor, to ensure accurate and useful collection of data. In today's Strip Till Farmer podcast, brought to you by Dawn Equipment, we welcome Trent in to share his calculated approach to understanding the real ROI of a strip till system by evaluating profit and loss on every acre. Today, what I'm going to share with you guys is what's worked with our farm operation with my family. Uh, we've got three generations working together, which is pretty remarkable in my eyes, and I don't take that for granted one bit. Um, a little quick short story, background to why we're here today. Uh, we've been strip tilling since 2007, and our big push into the strip till uh, practice was from an agronomist that we were working with at the time. And, uh, you know, he, he gave us a hard time and said, why don't you guys strip till? You know, this is what guys should be doing, you know, nutrient management, corn on corn, getting away from that last year's corn root. You know, it's toxic to younger corn plants. And so we finally thought, well, okay, you know, he's our agronomist. He's been knowledgeable, helped us before. So we sold the chisel plow and got a strip till bar and uh, shared that with him. The next spring, we just hadn't crossed paths over the winter. And he said, well, that was an awful ballsy move. <laughs> well, you encouraged us to do it, you know? So if you're gonna step in, step in in front of it. And that was how we got our push. And uh, ever since we switched to uh, uh, no-tilling soybeans and wheat and strip-tilling our corn, we've had an excellent experience. So that's kind of how, how our history has, has ended up to where we're at today. 
the, the next big step is trying to figure out what do we do with all this information? Okay, I've got a pretty yield map. Yep, that wet spot shows up every year. I drive over it, and so I would expect that to be a, a red, red color on the yield map, and this piece over here is green from end to end, and I love that field, well, I know that. Well, it's what can we do with that information that we're recording and, and use it efficiently to try to either make a decision on whether or not we should even farm that back five acres that drowns out every year, or if we can take time to push some more inputs to higher producing areas. So I'm gonna go over with you guys kind of our story, what we've done, and, and how we've got to, to, to where we're gonna go. A uh, little short history on me. I'm an Illinois State University grad from uh, 2011, go Redbirds. So right here in town, um, I majored in Ag Engineering Technology Management. That's a mouthful in itself, but uh, it essentially focuses on GIS programs that uh, uh, is a tool to analyze all of this information, all one layer right on top of the other. I had an interest in it, and so uh, I pursued, pursued that. Um, I also had a job opportunity before I graduated, which I was very fortunate to work with a local John Deere dealer uh, to manage GPS sales and services and work with um, actually Apex. I'm sure everybody's been kind of familiar with that program. That was an early GIS program still out today. Uh, not my favorite pick. <laughs> um, I also uh, was in charge of uh, building an RTK network. Um, RTK has expanded very rapidly in the past five years. Um, so I actually, before I started using the equipment, I was fortunate enough to understand how it was built, why it was built, how it's supposed to operate, so that when uh, I had an opportunity to go back to the family farm, I could be our own technician and uh, be a solid knowledge base there firsthand instead of having to call a technician. Um, I did that for a couple of years. Uh, I had an opportunity then to um, start my own GPS and data management services with a company called E4 Crop Intelligence. These guys were kind of the next step into benchmarking, if you will, taking and looking at how a different fertilizer application might have directly affected the yield right down to the dollars and cents in comparison with weather. So um, I stepped into that. Um, I learned early on in the business that if we want to uh, keep track of all this information and have years worth of good data and information, the importance of calibrating, measuring the equipment, and even going through the trouble of post-calibrating stuff is so important. Uh, today on our farm operation, I'll actually take these settlement sheets from the elevator and post-calibrate those to all of our fields. Probably a little bit of you know, extra work uh, in a lot of people's opinion, but I know right where every dollar and cent is going in our operation by doing so. Um, also, we uh, started to, we, we, we had a few things hired out. So, uh, we had some spraying applications hired out, uh, fertilizer applications, but as I had an opportunity to come back to the farm, it uh, added another operator and we stepped into being able to do all of our own uh, herbicide, pesticide, fertilizing, all on our own farm. So. Having done so, then I knew how to calibrate the equipment. I knew that it was, it was good information. And so we would log each and every trip across the field uh, to help uh, compile these layers in a GIS program and understand the ins and outs of what's paying and what's not. Uh, the program that I use today is Ag Leader SMS Advance. Um, 
it's one of my favorite GIS programs. There's so many opportunities with it. The, everything from the structure to um, the, the equations that you can either build yourself, get from colleagues or ag leader themselves, um, run different analyses, and also the Ag Infinity app where you can actually upload all of your application maps to one app to be able to uh, look at it if you're maybe gonna do something like crop scout and you were interested in why this area of the field maybe isn't performing as well as another. Another piece that Ag Leader has got, which is really nice, is the financial tracking piece. So if you don't happen to track what you're doing while you're going to the field, let's say spring, you've just got a Raven 660 monitor, uh, it's just a, a, a speed and pressure, if you will, to ma maintain your application rate. Well, you can still apply the cost of that application within the financial tracking to come up with a profit loss map of the whole field. The company E4 Crop Intelligence that I worked with for a while, um, it broke things down. It was a web-based server that uh, was uh, uh, cloud-based, if you will, and it had real detailed information that you could apply um, for the application rates and their costs. Um, we had to do everything manually. It wasn't uh, something that we could apply to as applied data just yet. Um, but it also integrated soil sampling information. We could build prescriptions for seed and fertilizer. Um, there was a crop scouting app that tied itself to it. And that app had features such as it would look at your planting date, um, know what the growing degree day units were. And when you showed up to that field, it would tell you approximately what to expect for the growth stage of the crop. It was pretty neat. Um, I used this program with SMS for uh, uh, three years in total. Loved the results of both of them, and it really broke down what was going on. And this, we were using these programs before corn started bottoming out for commodity price. Um, so we were able to fine tune things before we slid into some tougher times as we are now. Um, and I've switched uh, using different software programs today, but it helped give us a good format and a good place to start before we run into these times. My tools today are still Ag Leader SMS. Um, excuse the typo there. Um, this year, uh, we've chosen to use two new, two new platforms to try to manage data and also do some benchmarking. So the first one is the Climate Pro app. Anybody else using Climate Pro here today, tracking weather data, nitrogen information? Okay, a few of you. What about um, uh, the Incirca program? Any other users with that, with that app? Okay, a couple. Um, in my opinion, all these programs still have <laughs> some progress to make. Um, it seems as though no matter what tools we're using, if it's an app or a website or a desktop software, they all started from a different place with the same end goal. And I gotta tell you guys, if I could build one and I had millions of dollars to just blow away, I could build a heck of a program I think everybody here would like. <laughs> um, but. Nonetheless, the Climate Pro app has been, for in our experience, actually pretty accurate with the rainfall. Um, been pretty happy with that, and that might be just because of where we're at. So um, we're in north central Illinois in DeKalb County. We've got a lot of weather stations around. Maybe that's why I've heard our experiences maybe have been better than others. Um, there's also a nitrogen tracker on that as well. Um, and we've been using that as a tool, a decision tool in our nitrogen application program. Um, but even that, I, could, uh, I would like to see some improvements on. Um, there's no foliar 
option for the application in that app if you want to try something like Coron with a fungicide application and uh, also Y drops I think are starting to be used quite on quite a few acres. I'd like to see that as an application option um, as well. Uh, something else that we started working with today is uh, Farmers Business Network. And again, I'm kind of interested, is anybody else participating in Farmers Business Network today? Good. I was really surprised. If, uh, if you guys are looking for somewhere to start, Farmers Business Network is awfully cheap to pass up. Um, if you haven't done any research on it, check it out because they've got all kinds of tools and they're doing things that my small business I couldn't do as cheap. So when I started working with them, they actually offered, they said, well, just send us your raw planting data information, your harvest information, and we'll take care of the rest. Now, in my small business, I would collect my customer's information and I would scrub it for them. So what I mean by scrub is, you know, we'd do some post calibrating. Maybe they gave me a, a handwritten notes and said, well, I screwed up on the left and right hand side of what's in the left side of the planner and what's in the right, you know, could you switch them for me, you know, and do things like that. These guys are just taking the raw data, they'll upload it for you, and uh, you even have the opportunity to post calibrate on your own or work with them over the phone. I mean, it, it, it's cheap, 500 bucks a year. I, I, I don't know how to do it any cheaper than that. Uh, so it's a pretty, pretty neat tool. I would encourage anybody to look into it and participate. Um, and I still use Microsoft Excel to track field by field results myself personally. It's a program that I built. Um, I can look at per crop operation. I can look at our entire operation or a per field basis and understand what our cash flow was on each farm. And that's a personal thing for me, but like I said, something that I built so I understood it. I can edit different formulas if I want to. Um, so if you guys are doing something like that today or using even just another bookkeeping system, I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I'd, I'd be proud that you know where every dollar and cent's going and especially with today's commodity prices, I mean, that's so important. So what's, what's the value with well-kept data? You know, why are we calibrating all the time? And yeah, okay, well, I got five years worth of good yield maps, but I haven't done anything with them yet. Well, if you know that that's good, solid information, you've got so many opportunities that you, can, you, that you can use that with. And there's different places around your areas, I'm sure, that if, if you don't wish to take an Ag Leader SMS class and uh, school up on how to build your own prescriptions, someone in your area is gonna be able to do that for you, take the information from you and put that all together. And at the same time, like I said, with when I was doing with Microsoft Excel, where I can consolidate my entire farm overview picture, when you have good information, there's just no guesswork. If you can take the time to use a program like Ag Leader SMS, you know what the cost of application is, you know what the cost per gallon of the product you're using, and that's spread out over a map and you can put it all in one program, you can look in one place, run one report, and it's done. It's organized. So going back into data management, so when, when we started working with different data and platforms, um, we knew that uh, our fastest payback on any kind of equipment would be row clutches on the planter. And I, I'll just preach that all day today too, because for our operation, if, we're, if we have a field that's flat, black, and square, it's a total of two out of 50 different fields that we farm. <laughs> so we've got pointed rows, we've got hills, we've got waterways, we've got buffer strips. I mean, 
it, it, it's incredible. So we knew that row clutches would be the fastest payback in our farm operation. And the best way to have really accurate row clutch or anything else that we're applying is to run RTK. I mean, sub-inch accuracy, we've got the technology today, it's great. We happen to have a great RTK network up in our area and, and, and we love it. Um, I can calculate uh, if we were to, we've had two years where we've raised a total of 100% uh, uh, corn on 2,000 acres and we've saved $5,500 in seed costs each year. Now, if you take in general, and I know this varies from different company to company, but if you put together an RTK steering system, put together some row clutches, we have a 16 row planter, so that's what I'm comparing to, um, with, with a rate controller, the custom built harnesses, you're gonna spend 30 dollars to $35,000 pretty quick. And that, that's a big, big bullet to bite. But if you were to put that, just to put it in perspective, put that on a five year note, it cash flows. You don't have to reach into your pocket anymore so long as you didn't put it down a down payment. Um, just keep that in the back of your mind. If you guys are interested in moving forward with good data management and you're looking for ways to help pay for all of this technology and equipment, row clutches are the way to go. And that's just one step into, you know, having that same equipment operate your side dress bar, your Y drops, your sprayer. I mean, we've, we've gotten to where you can buy a $140 adapter cable to replace your Raven 660 monitor that you got in your tractor today with manual switches to integrate into any rate controlling system. So uh, don't ever throw that out the window. Ag Express is an excellent company to work with. You tell them, hey, I wanna make my uh, John Deere rate controller run my Ag Leader clutches. Hey, they can set you up. They can custom build you a harness and make it all work. So like I said, here's an example of uh, one of our fields. Does anybody else have fields that look like this with boundaries all over the place and guidance lines that just, you try to pick about your best shot, you know? <laughs> um, this is uh, uh, an example of a coverage map after we've planted um, with the waterways and we've got 16 uh, sections with uh, 16 row planters, how we have ours set up. Um, the white line is the guidance line moving through there. Uh, and the way I was able to calculate that $5,500 a year, if it's 100% corn, um, we've got a, uh, a Case IH 1200 planter. So that's being operated by a Pro 600. Now that calculates the acres so long as the planter's down. But our John Deere system is what actually operates the row clutches. So that's counting the coverage map. I can just do some simple subtraction to figure out how many acres we're, we're, we're saving per field because in this configuration, on all three of those waterways, the planter is down going through all of them in order to plant up to each boundary. So that's why for our operation, that's just a quick return and it's worked really well for us. Uh, here's just another quick shot, um, just to kind of signify, if you guys take time to do your measurements right, if you haven't had any experience with row clutches or, or working with any kind of section control, if you do the measurements, if you get out and dig, I don't know how many guys I, I work with that just don't wanna get out of the cab. They're like, what's the measurement? What was the timing setting last year? Good enough, and they go. You know, 20 extra minutes can get you results that are so clean, 
and this is all you know, row clutch operation. I, I, I scouts on her. I did not go out with a hoe and clean out that last row. <laughs> so after we put all of that uh, investment into, like I said, running section control on the planters, you know, we just moved right forward into our into our sprayer, um, and we did uh, rate control with our side dress bar. Um, the strip till bar that we had, we had a 12 row strip till bar. We were considering taking the 16 rows and I went above and beyond and I had four total sections on it. It's an all liquid bar. We had four sections, probably the highest tech strip till bar as far as section control is, goes, but we were considering our least common denominator going from 12 to 16 rows looking forward in the future with manifolds. Um, today we've, we've, we've uh, cut down to an eight row bar. That's, that is uh, four and four. Uh, but that's all done with RTK accuracy. If you start at the root with RTK accuracy, no matter if it's cellular RTK or a base station RTK, um, it's just going to guarantee that no matter what additional equipment you invest in going down the line, you're going to have really good results from that. We'll get back to Trent's discussion shortly, but I wanted to once again thank our sponsor, Dawn Equipment, for making this podcast possible. The new Dawn Pluribus strip-till row unit is the industry's first strip-till row unit with active row-by-row hydraulic down pressure, which allows you to make the perfect strip, even if life puts you in a tire track. The new Dawn Pluribus makes a deeper, wider strip and offers hydraulic in-cab row cleaner adjustment all with the same high speed and low power performance you've come to expect. You can call Don today to set up a demo of the new Pluribus at 800-554-0007. Once again, that's 800-554-0007. Reflecting on Trent's comments thus far, he shared his story on the best and easiest precision payback he has found to date on the farm. This was an investment in planter row clutches. Farming abnormally shaped fields with a high volume of point rows, Trent penciled out the return on a 50-acre triangle-shaped field to be 5,500 in seed costs alone the first year. While he acknowledges investment in precision tools can add up quickly, it doesn't take long to realize the return when you make the right investments. Let's get back to the program now and hear more from Trent Sanderson on the value of developing a profit loss map to get a deeper understanding of production costs and margins. So here's an example of a yield map. Everybody's seen a yield map, right? Um, so you know, before we had any kind of real good tools to manage data and information, uh, we'd print these off, we'd have them in a book, we'd look at them with our, maybe our co-op that printed them off for us at the end of the year, yep, yep, okay, well, yeah, it was wet, so close the book, put it away, right? Well, now today, what we are doing on our operation is we're turning this into a profit-loss map, okay? And I grabbed one of our uh, uh, tougher situations to, to share with you because I think everybody runs into them. So from a yield standpoint, you can see a couple of blank areas in the field that were probably washed out where we actually raised corn head up, didn't record anything, and we certainly got darker green areas where we had really great yield performance. But when we put all of our numbers in on this operation, 
and put it into a profit loss map, these are our results. One of our tougher situations. Anybody else that's done this before, if they you know, come across this or an all red field that shows zero? <laughs> no volunteers. <laughs> that's all right. Um, I'm happy to share our story with you. I just, I just wanted to show you, you know, it, it's an eye opener. You know, uh, a lot of us are visual learners and if we can put dollars and cents into a visual map, we can truly look at the details. And if over a three year period, I have a large section of this field that just doesn't perform, well, maybe now if we don't own this land, maybe we rent it, maybe we start to talk to our landlord and say, hey, I think I got a program that we can enroll in with the government and we can get you that high rent on that part of the ground, but we don't see the, the, the need or the use in farming it because we're just not making any money. If we're renting any ground, we're sharing these maps and we share with them all of our information. Say, here, look, this is what we're doing. You know, then that way the conversation can't turn into, well, the guy across the fence, you know, did X, Y, Z and he's not complaining to that landlord. Well, if we have the information and the answers, you know, in those situations right in front of you say, well, this, this, these are the best case scenarios. You know, we fed this crop, we gave it all we had, and year after year, these sections are just not panning out. Let's slip it into a 10-year program and get you over 350 bucks an acre. You're, ha you're happy, we're happy as the producer, and, and everybody wins. So, you know, you can start to explore opportunities like that, but. Uh, maps like this, this is what speaks to us in our operation. This is how I can get myself, my grandpa, and my dad all on the same page. And that's not easy to do some days. <laughs> so like I said, you know, we can just take the good with the bad. So, you know, I just shared a t one of our tougher experiences with you and, you know, we can see it from a, the farm from a different point of view and we can communicate that to either multiple operators within the same operation or even a landlord. Um, we, we can look at those areas that, you know, just don't respond. Uh, maybe we need to put in some tile, you know, or, or uh, manage the nutrients differently. Maybe we just need to adjust our variable rate seeding map down even more in that area because it's just not going to flourish. Maybe we need to not farm it for a couple of years, do some intensive cover crop rotation, see if we can't turn some things around. Like I said, at the end of the day, I'm still using Microsoft Excel with maps to try to just make sure it's kind of a double check system for me today. To try to sum things up, there, you know, there, there's so many tools available and I, I, I completely understand. I'm 27, um, still new to the ag industry after, after college here, but it's even hard for me to keep up with all this stuff. Um, and you know, I grew up with a computer in the classroom in first grade. So uh, there, there's plenty of opportunities out there I don't think there's any one single answer for managing data and information. I think it's got to fit your operation. It's got to make sense to you. And that's the only way that you are going to continue to use anything like that. Um, so that's the end of my presentation. Uh, thank you guys. Thank you to Strip Till Farmer. Thank you to Jack for the invitation today. And uh, I think we'll slide on to any questions if we do have any time for that. Thank you guys. You talked about going from your 12-row strip till to an 8. Why not a 16, and what did, would that involve your cost analysis? Or? Excellent question. Um, for sake of time today, it was hard to head down a path with a lot of dollars and cents and breaking things down. 
Um, so uh, glad you brought that question up. Uh, we ran a 12-row John Deere strip till bar. Um, we were able to operate uh, about five to six miles an hour. Um, we did not use the stock and hydrous knife that came with that. We switched out to a mini mole knife, so it pulled harder. Um, we were renting a 9630 John Deere in order to pull that, and that thing had its tongue out working. Um, Barr did a great job. Uh, we were in, we're in a situation where you know we, we can't afford uh, you know a, a $250,000 tractor. Um, we've run with 4640s for years. Um, an 8300 is on the farm tractor, John Deere. And so we had more interest in owning less horsepower, just be, you know, for a lot of reasons. It's a depreciating asset. Um, you know, we, we'd like to maybe have opportunities to buy land in the future. So uh, we were just trying to work with what was paid for. So we switched so that we didn't have to rent the machine and we moved to a Dawn eight row unit. 8300 handles that fine. Um, we're going nine miles an hour with that, and if you do the, do the math, we're actually doing the same acres per hour, 12 row with the deer versus the dawn with an eight row. So it didn't slow our operation up any, and uh, uh, that, that was a better cash flow opportunity for our operation. That's why we went that way. Great question. Yes, sir. Uh, this is a, on guidance. Uh, we're first timers this first time we've been here. Let's say you've got a 12-row fall strip tail, 24-row planter. Do you need guidance on the planter, or does the receiver need to be on the planter? Do you need planter guidance? What, tell us about that, please. Sure, great question. Comes up all the time. Um, in my experience, we've done uh, some custom work strip tilling for, for our neighbors, and certainly not everybody has the same size equipment. Um, in both cases, you can either share the guidance line with uh, whoever, whoever you're, is, might be doing the strip tilling for you. You can get the heading from those producers. Now, keep in mind, it depends on what equipment you have. And I, don't, I, I learned this a couple years ago. Um, Trimble, for example, Trimble and John Deere use a different north. One is true north, one is magnetic north. That's a problem. And so recognize that up front. I forget which is which and 100% without in front of me which ones are all using the similar ones, but um, I've done that for some of my neighbors and the best case scenario that I've had if they are different systems, they are able to strike an A point where the strip starts at one end of the field, a B point at the other, and they're consistently on the strip from end to end. And you know, it's just good to maybe request from whoever's doing that to ensure that their guest row when they're running their strip till bar is consistent. And that's good to check a couple times throughout the season because equipment wears, especially strip till equipment, you know, in, in different ways. And by the end of the season, you could have a 28 inch guest row when you were shooting for 30, but you did calibrate it at the beginning of the season. So it's good to have, make sure that's, that all checks out. Did, did I answer all your questions there? Um, it depends. Uh, are you running on flat ground or hilly conditions? Mostly flat. You should be fine. You should not need a receiver on the planter. You should get along just fine. Worst case scenario, you might be adjusting, you know, left or right an inch or two from one end to the other. Uh, but it is important to be on that strip. Trent, I have a question for you. Yeah. Um, 
so I know you're, you're very invested in a lot of the precision technologies. I'm curious, maybe you could share with the group here, what are maybe some of the things you're, you're thinking about incorporating in the future? What are some things you're looking at uh, from the, the precision side that you see as possible valuable additions in the future? Sure. Um, well, ourselves, um, we're new, new owners of a used self-propelled uh, sprayer and uh, to help you know spread the cost out of that we're users of y drops as well so that's new to us this year um, we're working with reichart and uh, if you guys are familiar with um, row guidance on corn heads with the row feelers um, to follow the corn row um, reichart's got a system out for self-propelled machines um, for doing applications like y drops in a taller corn crop so as soon as the corn's at least 36 inches tall They've got a tool that will hang down in front of the machine and provide auto steer for, uh, for that machine. So um, we're looking at that. And also, it's some older technology that I came across. Uh, if you guys are familiar with like uh, Trimble's Green Seeker system or uh, any, any other systems like that, I know Aglier's got a system out there that's looking at the greenness of the plant. So it's either... Uh, look creating a map of the field health just like some satellites are are doing today um, or it's also controlling the rate of application of whatever you're doing so with uh, the technology of y drops moving forward um, we're implementing a green seeker system to look at the crop health on the go and change our rate of nitrogen application that day variable rate corn population Monsanto tried real hard with field scripts. What data are you using to make variable rate population maps? Great question. Um, we are using, we're, we're very fortunate actually. So we had a drought in 2012. Uh, so I'd call that a hot and dry. Then we had a cool and wet in 2013 in our area. And 2014 was slightly wet, but more of a normal growing season. Um, from uh, having gone over all of our data and information, I know that it's all good data and information. So we're using those three years as our yield averages. So I'm doing a multi-year analysis through our desktop software to average the performance. And we're using that in conjunction with our soil type map to help build variable rate prescriptions. Um, we're actually only in our second year of using variable rate prescriptions in corn because I wanted to have do it with really good information. I didn't want to just start willy-nilly um, so then I could record my results. Um, and we're running everywhere from a corn population of 35,000 down to 20,000. That's where we're at today. Um, we've only got one year's worth of, of results on that. So we're certainly not, haven't come to any specific conclusions um, but I think it will be something that we uh, constantly modify moving forward. But I will say this, because those yield maps were uh, blanket applications of everything, both including the practice, whatever we might be doing, and the, the fertilizer management, um, along with crop rotation. I tried to maintain those backgrounds with all the maps that I grabbed. Um, I think that those three maps what they are combined into one will be uh, a Bible, if you will, that we will always refer to. Because before we started any kind of variable rate, whether it was seeding or fertilizer, um, you know, when you, when you change those things and start making management zones in the field, 
Well, now you've changed those conditions, possibly long-term, depending on if you had a flood and the crop wasn't there, now you've got a surplus and now your soil test samples are different. So um, that's what, right or wrong, that's what my gut feeling was on maintaining that information. We're going on uh, uh, straight numbers, if you will. Yep, and if, if uh, uh, we get to, let's say, move ahead five years and our, uh, our, our hybrids are just awesome, maybe we can just take that whole field, no matter what the region is, and increase it by five or 10%. You indicated earlier about how fast you were traveling with a eight-shank eight uh, strip-till bar, if I recall. In your experience, just about how deep are you going with this bar, and what would be, if you were to buy a new bar, what would you expect would be the approximate horsepower per shank that if you were to try to keep up the speed that you would recommend? It depends on the machine. Um, in our experience, we don't have to be 10 inches deep in, on, our, on our farm, on our soils. And I wanna be specific about that because we're all in different growing conditions. Um, We've been as deep as eight, but no deeper. Um, personally, on our farm, we uh, enjoy the Coulter-style strip-till machines because the horsepower requirement is not, is not near as high. Um, the Dawn Bar, I believe, is uh, 15 horse uh, per row requirement. When you get into uh, Coulter-style, they're more 25 to 30 horse per row. Um, and that's not including, you know, if you're pulling any kind of tanks, whether it's dry or liquid. Um, that's, what, that's what we're looking for. And so far in our experience, if you're gonna have a fall strip, um, the knife style machines seem to work better. If you're gonna have a spring strip, I would highly recommend a Coulter style. Now, the way we're managing it today, we've had, we've had both a knife and a Coulter. Um, we just get started in the fall and whatever, whatever weather conditions permit us, if we get done with what we plan for corn acres the following year, we get done. If not, we're comfortable with finishing up in the spring. Uh, we don't always have We don't always have like a drier fall or a drier spring, one versus the other. It, 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 it's, a, it's a mix, and so we just roll with the punches and do what we can to get the ground covered. Trent, I had one more for you. Yeah. Um, I know uh, talking with a lot of farmers, um, there can be a uh, very much of an emphasis on um, you know why they should be collecting data nowadays. Um, and I'm just wondering, uh, when you get to the end point, what are your practices, advice, maybe on validating that data to make sure it's good data? Because I know. Uh, everybody kind of hears the garbage in, garbage out philosophy, but you know, on your farm and your strip-till system, you know, how are you kind of ensuring the data you collect and then make decisions off of uh, is, is valuable? Well, like I said, we're, we're, we post-calibrate most of our information. So we're combing, we're combing through it with a fine-tooth comb. Um, uh, I would compare it to getting audited. Um, <laughs> if you know, in an audit situation, you're asked to, uh, you know, bring up certain records and be able to prove that you can bring up those records. I think it would be the same case. So, uh, you know, we're hanging on to our fertilizer invoices, for example. Well, we store those away, but I'm putting them in a data management system that I can quickly look at and evaluate them and 
should we be questioned on it ever, whether it's an EPA issue or the government finds a way to get involved with our nitrogen management program, which I'm sure is coming up. Um, you know, if you're able to be called out in situations like that, we have a fast answer within our, uh, either our desktop software or whatever data software we're using. And if they say, well, I'd like to see the records from that field for that year, it's hanging onto those records like we always have and being able to pull those out to verify. Well, thank you, Trent, for sharing your field research and advice on crunching the numbers for the best return on investment in a strip-till system. And again, we'd like to recognize and thank our sponsor, Don Equipment, for the new Pluribus Strip-Till Row Unit and helping make this Strip-Till Farmer podcast series possible. I certainly look forward to your feedback on today's program, so feel free to drop me an email at jzemlicka at lessitermedia.com or give me a call at 262-777-2441. And if you haven't done so already, you can subscribe to this podcast series in iTunes or the Google Play Store and get an alert when upcoming episodes are released. And you can also keep up on the latest strip-till practices impacting farms today by registering online at Strip-Till Farmer for our free Strip-Till Strategies newsletter and be sure to follow us on Twitter at Strip-Till, F-A-R-M-R, and on our Strip-Till Farmer Facebook page. Well, I hope that you'll join us again on October 19th for the next episode in our 2017 podcast series. And a reminder that you can also register to receive our brand new Strip-Till Farmer print newsletter coming this fall at striptillfarmer.com. For Trent Sanderson, Dawn Equipment, and our entire staff here at Strip-Till Farmer, I'm Jack Semlicka. Thanks for listening. <music>